Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, guess what you can call me today? You can call me high-waisted denim because right about now I am in. And as well, Michael, you can also (laughs) call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. I realise that doesn't work anymore when I do another one. The prefaces <laughs> like this podcast ever made any sense to begin with. Saying that though, speaking of this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do. We love chatting with everybody and we like keeping you up to date with all things Podcast Horseman. You can also follow either of your hosts if you would like. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflet, and you can catch up with the podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, where we are routinely, nearly bothering the top 200s on a weekly basis. You can follow on Spotify. You can subscribe on Acast. You can, I don't know, buy, reserve, rent, whatever it is you do on Amazon Podcasts, but we're there, however it is that you listen to that, and we're very, very grateful to be there. Don't take my flippancy as a mocking of that platform. Uh, you can also listen to us through Acast on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. And as we've discussed every week, but for those that are listening, for the first time and if you are why is this the first time you can find uh, the at podcast horseman twitter link every friday when we upload a new episode in that acast embedded link if you want to chuck a retweet on that quiz and um, you will stand a chance of getting inducted into the season three hollywood talk of fame normally we open that up for people to leave reviews leave comments five stars all that sort of stuff we would still love that we'd be grateful for you doing that but the retweet gets the podcast shared gets more people seeing it on twitter gets more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse and later on in this episode we will have our latest inductee oh how very exciting it is now i get tired of hearing that you know and you mm. know we slowly but surely are growing and i think by the time we do the final episode of this show, we might have just about earned a pound in English. <laughs> Maybe. That's yeah, the big what, dream. That's the big dream we've got. Aye, but so far in the email chain I've got with RBW, like he's going to charge at least three quid for coffees. So we're, we're still so down. We're going to be on a down anyway. But you know what it is? <laughs> it's okay because we don't do it for money, Michael. We do it for horses. All the horses out there who are listening, if give us a yes or a nay in the comments on Twitter. <laughs> Please do. We'd love to hear from you. Anyway, enough of that. Let's go to Netflix, shall we, for our synopsis for this week's episode. We are on season three. We are on episode 10. 
Oh, we're getting closer to some dread here. This one is called It's You. Mr. Peanut Butter announces the Oscar nominees. Bojack surrounds himself with admirers, but his friendships are falling apart, Michael, faster than my sanity during lockdown. But <laughs> shall we do some podcast horseman chat? Oh, brother, that synopsis, oh, oh, even oh. that is loaded with bullets in the chamber in this episode, is ready to fire them. It is indeed Oscar nominations time. And here to announce the nominees is Mr. Peanut Butter. Or not because we're in the awards ceremony, he's announced three times and he just simply doesn't appear. We get the 30 minutes later graphic uh, and then we see Mr. Peanut Butter rather awkwardly sort of stumble onto the stage. Um, he's kind of nervously trying to just work his way through a bad patter introduction. He kind of doesn't have that usual confidence and like just the vigour that he brings to roles, that's completely missing. But he gets through this intro all the same and he gives us the rundown for the Best Actor nomination. They are George Clooney's Brad Poot, Colin Firth, Michael Fassbender, and Bojack Horseman. He's done it. He's got the Oscar nomination, the big mission of this season, Anna's role, all of everything that he's been going to his life and leading at this moment. And we are given that by the pull-out reveal of Anna and Bojack watching it in his bedroom, uh, just on television. Uh, they kind of have a, a moment together where Anna asks how Bojack feels and he sort of tries to build himself up. I feel, I feel, I feel the same. And that's where the credits hit. Um, we come back from the credits uh, because obviously the, the scene carries on straight away as we're dealing with sort of Bojack's taking in of the huge news uh, where he's pacing, he's angry, he's unhappy with everything all of a sudden. It's like he's just been told he hasn't got the nomination rather than he has. Uh, Anna tells Bojack not to fetishise his sadness. Uh, he seems on the verge of a panic attack. He's losing his breath and he says he feels like he's drowning. At which point, uh, Anna tells a story, and it's beautifully animated. This sort of different from the, the run-of-the-mill animation of Bojack Horseman, um, of her as a 17-year-old crashing her car, driving it into a lake. Um, she found herself underwater where she came to, and it was only by opening her mouth and following the bubbles she knew which way to swim. The message she was trying to get across to him with this anecdote was, if you feel like you're drowning, just breathe. Bojack starts to breathe, uh, but then he starts to doubt that he even deserves it. Uh, but it's Anna who then says, awards aren't about who's the best, about who deserves it. It's about confirming somebody as one of the special people. It's at that point, and we've seen this so many times before, that at even the slightest, most vapid, vacuous type of praise, Bojack is suddenly able to pull himself out of that pit completely. Um, this ego boost works on him just fantastically well. It works a total treat. And it cuts to him throwing a wild celebration at his house um this huge party there's booths there's drugs there's loads of hollywood hanger honors just dancing against us all sector strobes and house music um thumping edm in the background bojack is sort of at the center of it all shirt off swigging from a bottle of goot and bourbon he is the life of his own oscar nominations party uh, a rolex a giant chocolate oscar david getner and <laughs> And a free Tesla arrive at the door as gifts, indeed, for being an Oscar nomination. That is what you get. Bojack's loving it all. Demands the Tesla gets parked in the living room. It's just complete and total excess. Before we get on to the next delivery, and indeed where this plot would move forward rather dramatically in short order, what did you make of, indeed, the big reveal? Very much a, a payoff of sorts for the trip we've been on with Bojack this season. Indeed. I mean, before I do give you that, I just... I'm still trying to figure out how they get the Tesla into the living room, but that <laughs> isn't for me to ponder. This is a show that's far better than I am as a human being. However, 
Yes, what a what a reveal this was because we've been personally waiting, haven't we, for this? This has been the whole, the whole, the the light at the end of the tunnel, the gold at the end of the rainbow for Bojack, and it is here. The man is actually in the nominations mix. How very exciting for Bojack indeed, and I think more importantly though, like we see even even in his times of complete and utter sort of, I don't know, fear, self-loathing, and all this kind of thing. Anna Sponacobra is just, this woman is a force of goddamn nature, isn't she? Mm. And like, for good, for bad, for better, for worse, however you want to talk about it, she really, really sort of, we see her magic, like, played again on Bojack as he tries to like, as she tries to pull him back on the brink of losing his mind to the point where she sprinkles the magic stardust on him and all of a sudden he's back to being the egotistical arsehole that we all <laughs> know and love. The one we've kind of come to accept at this point, maybe. Yes. <laughs> Do we accept? He's around anyway. Yeah. Um, it's, I think what was quite telling early doors, obviously, is again, how we've talked about before, how quickly Bojack snaps out of this pit, this void that he believes is in, over something completely meaningless. It's never the meaningful or the powerful or the potent that actually gets him out of one of his spirals. It's always the mundane and the daft and the silly and the stuff he professes not to care about, but the stuff that serves as this giant distraction piece. And that's what this big party is until reality knocks on the door. His last delivery is not some freebie from the Oscar committee or some ludicrous show of wealth from Hollywood, but it's Diane. She uh, she walks through the chaos of the house and the party uh, and meets Bojack out in the garden uh, by his pool area, saying how, after she saw that he'd been nominated, she wanted to pop by and check that he was doing okay. This wasn't just somebody that was going to come for the party, going to come for the freebie and come for the excess. This was actually one of his friends. Um, but Bojack, of course, doesn't see it that way at all. He snaps at her um, for not just straight up congratulating him for the Oscar nomination. Um, that's all he really wants. He just wants the praise. Uh, but she basically uh, reenacts his original reaction to Anna. She mirrors just about every little moment of stress and panic he was going to suffer because she's got him nailed. She knows this horse at this point and she knows that he is not a horse of a different colour despite now becoming supposedly one of the beautiful people. Um, she also drops into conversation that she's not tweeting from anymore, which of course is a reminder that he's no longer with Princess Carolyn. Um, but he chastises her for even having that job. He says, what happened, Diane? You used to care about shit. It becomes this part of this, him trying to just like rebuff her concerns as somehow being an insult to his integrity. Um, she says, quote, maybe caring about shit got old. Maybe I got tired of people yelling at me or sending death threats to my house and all my friends thinking I'm annoying and getting in fights with my husband and seeing little refugee boys dying in hospital bombings. And there it was. We've discussed this before. There was Diane's sort of last six months in a nutshell, finally coming out of Bojack. There was a certain catharsis that he got to this. But Bojack just can't help but gently shame her for a job. He's not listening. He's not picking up what she's trying to say. He's not picking up that the very reason she's in his house was a, as a gesture of goodwill, trying to actually stick up for him and care about him. Um, she uh, points out the hypocrisy of his entire life when they kind of look around at the party, but he won't have it, not tonight. He says, uh, quote, I'm not like you. I don't fetishise my own sadness, which, of course, we know he's stolen completely from Anna, which, again, proves that he is very much like her. Um, she resents that naturally and then goes to leave, and he says, you can tweet for a living and you can live in a house in Beverly Hills that your husband bought, or you can think that you're better than everyone, 
but you can't do both. Diane fires back brilliantly that after how Bojack has won the Oscar because she believes he will, he's going to come home and be so miserable that he's going to kill himself and have nobody left to stop him. He laughably protests that over the strobes and the sycophants surrounding all his people, says, quote, there's going to be plenty around here when I kill myself. So he thinks he's got the one over on Diane. This exchange was gripping. Uh, just wonderfully well written, wonderfully well arranged, lovely mirroring of Bojack projecting so much onto Diane, as he always has, and you sense that he kind of always will. He'll never not see Diane as this person to be able to thrust all of his like haunted emotions onto her, yet she came at this entire night from a good place and leaves probably more angrier with him than she's been in years. Just a toxic, disastrous exchange between two people driven mostly by Bojack's ego. I mean, almost entirely, isn't it, by Bojack's ego. And the one person who actually comes to the house to see him for him and worries about his actual well-being underneath all of the bullshit at Hollywood. And he, what does he do? He's just a complete you know, a dickhead. And so many times in this season, obviously, I'm sure by creation, the design from RBW and co, but like, I come back to that. I come back to fish out of water. The only thing that matters in this life are the connections that you make or whatever he says. And like, he's won, or he's been nominated for the Oscar. Here he is. And at this point, he's now cut away from Princess Carolyn. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, it kind of ends on decent enough terms, as we remember from the last episode. But realistically, the end of that episode was him coldly telling her no and that this was over. So he's cut the seventh that tie. Uh, In terms of Todd, Todd is now distanced from him in general, mm-hmm. just because of the whole Emily stuff. And now this stuff with Diane here, like, this is the one person who actually cares about him. And he's just completely and utterly trying to deflect everything that he might be feeling and put it onto her and just, like, nitpick all of her life to the point where this poor woman, who's had the worst time ever, has literally bore a soul to him. And what does he do? He just completely antagonises her to the point where she leaves. Like... He's an absolute dickhead, this horse, isn't he? It's the worst. <laughs> it's, I think they made great use of the first time we've ever stacked up Diane's problems out loud. Yeah. We've known and talked about them all going on, and she's tried to make them all individual background issues. And the first time, first time they choose to stack those up in an episode, it's when Bojack can just rebuff it as if it's nothing. And as if it's not a... As if it's not a justification for maybe why she's suffering through things at the moment. And I think also the bigger thing that that adds to is just how much is that not just in that little one interaction between those two? Is that not women in society mm. having actual real proper issues mm. and men in society like being like, yeah, but what about this other thing? Like, yeah, I felt like that was kind of summed up brilliantly here where these are all like how on earth is even one of those issues not something where the other human being in the conversation is pausing to say like, Mm. man are you okay like do you want to just sit down and talk about it do you want to like is there anything I can do she's got about five things at this point and he doesn't even offer one little olive branch and it's rich actually thinking about it for this piece of shit to attack whatever she's doing in the writing profession considering that her book changed everything her writing is the only reason he's even tangentially linked to where he is yeah yeah what a piece of shit and he wasn't even acting in the film he didn't even act in the film what an, oh God, he's infuriating. He goes to talk to Anna 
to ask about their future again he's looking for validation he's looking for sympathy from the powerful women in his life um but it's not really about the oscar nomination campaign anymore it's about the oscar campaign itself she brushes all of his very serious questions off about the future and says she has to go she's got lots of other work to do she does tell him to stop worrying she says it's all about the next step now and all that sort of stuff um but he, we get that shot of him just sort of existing. We've seen this before where he's, I think it was in the Abracadabra office episode where he's just, lots of things are happening in the house, but he's just a passenger in it. He's just traveling through it. Nothing's really touching him. Everything is happening around him in what theoretically should be his domain. Um, so he's left Anna's room and he's no longer present in the party. He's just only present in his own head and the party seems to be happening around him. And it takes us to him being in the driver's seat of the Tesla which he, as you pointed out, was parked in the middle of the room, uh, and he reverses it into his pool. They mirror the shot from the opening credits where he's sort of floating backwards under the water, under the water, and in an absolutely wonderful and immediate callback to Anna's advice, he opens his mouth and the bubbles go up. But rather than actually following those bubbles, he simply closes his eyes and lets himself sink. Um what that was saying without saying things was quite remarkable at this point, if you consider where Bojack should be at in his life. Um, he is awoken by Mr. Peanut Butter giving him mouth to mouth. Um, when he comes round, Bojack is actually full of love for Mr. Peanut Butter. Um, he's kind of forgotten, you know, was just that a suicide attempt just then? What was that exactly? You know, we, we don't know, and it's never particularly explored in this episode. But nonetheless, he's over the moon to see Mr. Peanut Butter because obviously it was him that read out his name earlier on. Thank you very much, Mr. Peanut Butter. You've changed my life. All that sort of good graciousness that you never really see between Bojack and Peanut Butter. Uh, <laughs> but he gets cut off. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter repeatedly tries to say, uh, yeah, uh, about that. Uh, Bojack is still just full of enthusiasm. Uh, says, oh, by the way, did you see Erica? She was looking for you with her good eye. <laughs> the other eye was looking at the stars, which of course takes that error count up to 11 for Podcast Horseman. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter says he needs quite seriously to talk to Bojack Horseman. I mean, how serious is that? When there's no time for Erica, things must be real. And he's got some good news and he's got some bad news. And we get the one week earlier graphic, but with the infamous now, the death toll of you know something bad is coming when you hear that kung set to the oh. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter, one week earlier, is uh, speaking profoundly and poetically uh, out a window towards a raven. Uh, the camera pulls back to show him stare out the window of a quite a fancy office block. Um, it revealed is with Todd, and the two of them are looking for office space for Cabracadabra. Todd is absolutely buzzing, he's really enthusiastic, um, but Mr. Peanut Butter is struggling because of his brother's health issues. Of course, in the last episode, we learned that his brother was going in for an operation with a twisted spleen, and the implication was that the survival rate wasn't particularly good, and Mr. Peanut Butter was kind of struggling to deal with that. Um, meanwhile, we don't get too long there because we switch to Princess Carolyn's arc in this story. Again, this is very much an episode where all of it is set around Bojack, so we have to kind of tie all the loose ends of all the characters up first because it's all about him, isn't it? Um, over at Vim, uh, Princess Carolyn is questioning everything about her life after, obviously, the Bojack deal fell through. Um, Judah can't sugarcoat things because he literally can't do it. That's just not in his nature. But he's a robust professional as usual. Um, there's a great gag where she's forced to announce to her staff from the uh, spiral staircase in the office that she's got to let them all go. And the camera pulls out to reveal that Diane is the only one there. Um, <laughs> uh, Diane is uh, exceedingly grateful. There's a really lovely interchange where she says, you know, I never thanked you for this. And Vince Carly says, that's all right. You really were the worst social media manager we ever had. Uh, but it's all done very affectionately. And they seem to like leave it on good terms. Diane seems very acceptant of her loss. Um, 
back to Mr. Peanut Butter, who is on the phone to his brother. He's no, he's very sort of still morose and very still sad. Um, he's noting that nothing is going to make him feel better, not even an amazing career opportunity. At which point he gets a call from Oscar organiser Shep Von Trapp with an amazing career opportunity. Or as he puts it, I have a career opportunity for you. That is good. He wants Mr. Peanutbutter to host the Oscar nominations. We then get the story of how the original host, Jimmy Fallon, quote, broke his face. We get a clip of Jimmy Fallon out and about and he spots Halloween in January, the store. He's about to walk in and obviously we're waiting for the big gag where he just falls through the open hole in the floor that was that was taking out people left, right and centre when we last saw it. But because he's so about the moment, he doesn't even make it to the shop. He's going, oh, I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got to get a selfie with this. And he walks into the road to get a selfie and gets hit by a bus. And that's how Jimmy Fallon has <laughs> broke his face. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter is their, quote, second first choice. And when he's about to turn it down, um, Shep casually notes how they can always just post them online. It's really not a big deal. But when he goes back <laughs> to Captain Peanut Butter, he insists that he take it. Captain Peanut Butter, who is in the hospital at this point, has misheard the role and assumes that Peanut Butter's got the Oscars job. He's got the biggest hosting job in all of Hollywood. Mr. Peanut Butter, to be fair, does try to correct him over and over again. But Captain Peanut Butter's having none of it. I think he needs the good news as much as Mr. Peanut Butter. He insists that he takes it. Uh, a lot of great stuff here. We'll cover this off first because there's a big twist to come, obviously. Um, great gags, like huge, huge gags in an episode that you already feel is going to get real and is going to get serious and is going to get tough. The Jimmy Fallon broken face, the idea that we could just put the nominations online, it's really not a big deal. Uh, quality, quality, big laugh stuff before you know the heft is coming. Yeah, there's a good little triple threat of jokes there, isn't there? Like across the board where you get the Diane reveal, the, the, the zoom back reveal of <laughs> Diane being the only person that Carolyn's talking to when discussing people having to get cut uh, from from Vim. And then you've got, obviously, the, the Jimmy Fallon one, man. It, this show does some brilliant comedy and sometimes it just hits you with a literal lorry or a bus or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> it's an actual bus, I think it is, at this, in this situation. An actual bus. <laughs> um, but he's I love the way they set that up because in itself the, the Halloween in January store is a huge gag a huge huge gag would have still hit if he'd fallen through but the way they just twist it and have him get so caught up and try to take a selfie it gets absolutely <laughs> this is as good as when Bojack inadvertently drives into um, a Ryan Seacrest type <laughs> yes. a few episodes previous very good stuff indeed and also, just uh, in terms of the, the peanut butter Oscars stuff, I think that's a great. It's a great comedy, there, isn't it? And we this will be the first of quite a few as we pay attention throughout here, where it's like, are the Oscars really that important, or is this just something that we have all blown up to wild proportions? Yeah, this being the first of it, of course. They could just release it online, which is totally true. Totally, <laughs> totally true at this point. I would like to also quickly note just before I forget, I just loved um, to sort of go back. I didn't really get a chance to comment, but going through that house party and then reenacting the entire opening credits essentially mm. in Bojack's house while he's having that weird, he's on a negative spin where he's gone numb and he's just going through all the different zones. The animation's amazing, but it literally plays out the exact way that the opening credits were. Yeah. It goes from start where he's walking through rooms and we see him face to face. Then when into his living room, there's a party going in the living room. He goes out the back door, but this time it's actually in a car and then goes into the water and the stuff. 
of the bubbles coming up was brilliant as well. And much like in the credits, someone's looking down at the pool to grab him. Of course, this time it's Mr. Peanut Butter, not Diane. But, well, I know it's both of them in the opening credits, but I just thought that was such a lovely way to do that. because, And also, off the back of that huge line about um, there's going to be plenty of people around when I kill myself. And oh, God. we are literally not, what, maybe about a minute later living yeah. this. <laughs> like, it's not, it doesn't take long. No, that's it. Yeah, they don't ask you to wait for that. They don't. Ask, they want you to see him testing the limits of that straight away. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're back to nominations night anyway. Um, it's the, they go to ridiculous, multi-layered, mythical, mystical lengths to hide the golden envelope with the nominees. And it's this gag that you've seen a lot of other shows do before where there's locked door after locked door after guarded locked door after locked door guarded by mythical creatures and so on and so on and so on. It's that, it's that really good gag. Or just to reveal a golden envelope with a piece of paper in that could have been revealed online. Um, but Mr. Peanut Butter can't hold the envelope and his phone at the same time. So he goes to put his phone in his pocket. But oh no, disaster strikes. It's one of them fake sewn in suit pockets. The phone falls to the floor. I don't know what you're thinking. Just pick it up. But that wouldn't be an episode of Mr. Peanut Butter's house, would it? Which is what this scene turns into. Mr. Peanut Butter can't pick up his phone. He kicks it out the door rather than just simply picking it up. And they go, I say they, Mr. Peanut Butter and Todd, go on a wild goose chase, chasing his phone completely set to the soundtrack of Mr. Peanut Butter's house. The theme song is playing in the background. Uh, he's Peanut Butter is just being made to look a fool for not being able to grab it. They're oh, tripping over people. How does the theme song go for anybody who isn't aware? Can you remember? Ah, Mr. Peanut Butter, Peanut Butter, give the dog a bone. And other various hip-hop asides that I couldn't possibly do justice to. Who's their dog? Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> Knick-knack, paddywhack, leave the dog alone. Leave the dog alone. <laughs> <laughs> He's going through the streets, in and out of doors in the building they're in, down in the sewers at one point. They basically go on this wild goose chase. They don't catch the phone. They go back into the building to work out what on earth they're going to do. And because it's Mr. Peanut Butter, the phone just miraculously flies through the window, back into his hand, where his brother is on the phone to tell him that his twisted spleen has been removed. Sometimes opportunities do just fall out of the sky for this man. Give the dog a phone, my <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Disaster has struck. Because in the process of chasing after the phone, they've lost the envelope. Another ludicrous process follows afterwards, which I very much look forward to hearing your take on in the second half of this podcast, where Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter have to go through a load of bizarre, out-of-date film takes. Uh, for example, they want to give Avatar best film. They want to give Daniel Day-Lewis an award for something, so they put him down for sound editing, uh, just to make up. Some are winners, some nominees even for all the Oscars. Every single category needs nominees. And Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter, despite the fact that he's already been announced to go on the stage, are now sat in a back room trying to concoct who can be the nominees for which award. They reach Bojack's Bojack Horseman for Secretariat. Peanut Butter says they should include him because he's their friend. Todd questions, is he? Uh, Todd notes he's kind of sick of uh, Bojack walking over people and getting what he wants all the time regardless. But Mr. Peanut Butter talks him around. You're not really sure if that's just because they kind of need to get to it. Um, <laughs> Peanut Butter gets through it, 
But when he goes on stage, just about. And we are aware of some sort of consternation in the crowd, but we don't see it. The next thing we see is him and Todd toasting their job well done back at Peanut Butter's house as if they really have absolutely nailed this. And nobody's <laughs> But Shep shows up with a couple of heavies almost immediately before we can see the consequences of Mr. Peanut Butter being outed as a complete fraud. That takes us all the way back to Bojack's pool where he's still at his lap, having brought him around with mouth to mouth. Uh, everything stops for a second as Bojack realises the one reality that he is not an Oscar nominee. Everybody almost instantly starts to leave the party. Whatever fake value that that nomination had has immediately been stripped away from Bojack. Um, unlike Mr. Peanut Butter, who stays by his side and wants to talk about how his brother with the twisted spleen has now recovered. Does Bojack give a shit about that? Of course he doesn't. All he can do is try and come to the terms of shock. He says, quote, I'm just like everybody else. And he might as well put a dagger through his own heart when he says those words. Um, Peanut Butter also reveals to him in this moment that Todd didn't actually want to nominate him and then kind of catches himself well, well after the fact that it might not have been the best time to reveal that bit of information. Um, back at Vim, again, on this timeline while all this is going on, uh, Judah and Princess Carolyn part ways because Princess Carolyn notes that she's going to have to sell up and go back to agenting. Judah, ever the pro, uh, leaves by recommending that she, quote, live one of her other eight lives. She looks over to the business card of Ralph Stilton. If you remember the third date that Judah very kindly set up when he took it literally to set up all those dates for on that one night. The mouse that got along famously with the cat, but the two of them just couldn't make it work that night and said, maybe one day. Um, so she kind of looks wistfully, shall we say, over that card. Again, a lot goes down over an act of Bojack Horseman. We've got a lot of moving parts for the various characters and how the events of the season, we're starting to see everything that's happened over the course of the season has shaped where we're at at this point, at this episode 10. Um, but the big headline is Bojack not being the nomination. They've given us it in the form of farce, in the form of a big peanut butter gag, but the news is huge. The news is massive, isn't it? I think that's, we've gone from the whole purpose of this, pretty much the whole season, let's be honest, uh, was him to get the Oscar. And we've watched him single-handedly, as we as I've alluded to we, in this very episode, like burn not burn bridges, but just really chip away heavily at those bridges with <laughs> quite a few with quite a few people, uh, all in the name of the most important thing: the next wild goose chase, the next greater good that he's sort of working towards in a life that he hasn't really got much direction for. Let's be honest, um, and I mean even to the point where like. To the point of seeing Anna, like, not say definitely that when this is all over, she's going to disappear, but yeah. there's certainly a heavy hint there. Uh, he doesn't care about anything to do with peanut butter. Again, someone else has opened up to him in this episode about something huge, and he's completely and utterly rejected it because there's something more important going on about me, me, me. That's peanut butter and Diane both bore that soul to him, basically, about something yeah. really personal, and he hasn't given a flying toss about it. And, like... Yes, the farcical stuff was there, and it, but it does, it really, really does go to show you just how empty it all is and meaningless and pointless it all is, which he knows. He, he knows. He just, he, but he still, for some reason, needs that recognition because he wants to feel like a star. He wants to feel better than everybody else around him. Um, but that really, you know, the, the moment where Peanut Butter tells him and they sort of do the, the way they make the audio, so everything starts to sort of fizzle yeah. out in Bojack's head. And that is the, the thing that lasts with them. It's just so toxic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's uh, I, 
find myself quite a lot in real life in lockdown times again to time stamp this podcast as we always have um remembering peanut butter's line about how life is just a series of meaningless distractions to fill the time before you die and in a way bojack could do with trying to subscribe to that a little bit more it would get him through a lot of these moments where it is all and then nothing these extremes that he seems to exist on the spectrum of versus just being able to not so much breeze through because of course peanut butter is a television character you couldn't do it like that however what he lacks mr peanut butter desperately benefits from it's great that it's the brother with the twisted spleen because this is a very relatable real life issue versus an oscar nomination party something nobody could relate to absolutely nobody you are completely with the kind of the, the struggles that Peter Butler has had that day versus the ones that Bojack's had. One is completely connected with its feet on the ground. The other is space cadet pointless, like, pointless celebrity nonsense. I'd say, I mean, struggle is such a such a strong way to use for what Bojack's going through. Where's mm. the struggle? What is, what's, what's really, what's he struggling from? Having yeah. too much money? Having too many people <laughs> in his house? Having too big of a party? Drinking too much alcohol? enjoying his life too much because he's getting everything literally handed to him on his big, stupid, dumb plate for being, just being Bojack Horseman <laughs> in a film that he wasn't even in. He never even starred in it. While he was in the middle of doing one of the stupidest and the worst things he's possibly done up to this point in this show. And it's about goddamn time he doesn't get a reward for something, Michael. Yeah. I think I'm sick of seeing it where everything he does is just ends up he gets this, he gets that. Like, the Golden Globe stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. think, about how, think about how long he held onto that Golden Globe for, and it's still empty. And this time, he had to deal with a very consequence. You weren't good enough. You, you just weren't. The one thing you were holding onto, as meaningless and shallow and pointless as it was, you don't even have that. And you've got literally some of the best people in the world around you, and you've just chucked them all away. Now, I know we do a podcast on him, but are we sounding a little bit obsessed with Bojack? A little bit like we just can't get him out of our head. We can't stop talking about him, even if we're griping. Because that is what Roxy, Diane's friend, thinks as we find the two of them having dinner together in the diner. Um, Diane is constantly going on about Bojack, about the very negative exchange she had back at his house earlier on, about the other problems she's had with him. Um, Roxy fires it back in her face. She says, quote, why have you got such a weird fixation with him? Diane is up on her haunches about this. She does not like anything remotely implied about that line of questioning. Um, But then Roxy fires back with one of the low-key best moments this episode for me. She says, um, when Diane got back from Cordovia, she could have gone anywhere. She could have gone to her house. She could have gone to friends. She could have gone to family. But why did she go to Bojack's house? Um, this was so great, right? And I, like, I don't want to just come away from the plot for just a second. Mm-hmm. But never once did we question that because we are enslaved by the characters of this TV show. But this TV show is better than the things you like. And it treats people like real people with other relationships. And if you were Diane's friend, you would have the exact same questions and you would have the exact same, are we thinking suspicions here on Roxy's part about what she is very clearly implying about Diane's toxic relationship with Bojack having more meaning to it than Diane would like to admit. I love how this made you leap out of the show and just remember that these are characters with lives and you forgot to think about Diane's life. You only classify Diane's life based on her relationship to Bojack. Never once did we be like, why didn't she just go to Roxy's? We never questioned that. 
we were completely identifying her by her relationship to Bojack and not by her own existence. I loved, I loved how this highlighted that. And I would add to that by saying, I think the reason that happened is because we are Diane, aren't we? Mm. That's the that's the thing. Like we hate this horse, right? <laughs> this horse is a dickhead. He's an arsehole. And we are currently doing a podcast about him. <laughs> um, so I think when she goes back to Bojax, it's we understand why she's gone there because we understand the relationship there. But I think it's also, it's us. It's like we know it's a complicated thing, mm. but we can't explain it because we're still watching and we're still there. She goes back to Bojax and that's just where she feels maybe the safest or the most comfortable or most able to be that version of herself at that time. Like, I don't know, there's some weird parallels there, but you're right. She could have literally gone anywhere, like anywhere on planet Earth, especially Roxy's probably a good, like a good gauge for this as well, because she's the one friend we've probably seen Diane hang around with consistently throughout yeah. all of this, aside from her husband, obviously, but that doesn't really count. Um, yeah. It's, and it's odd that she never does. I guess you're right. Well, it's such a big question that Diane can't answer it. Instead, she obsesses over the diner wasting water. She finds herself looking around at every table that's got water that maybe hasn't asked for it. Um, she speaks up about it. She suggests that it's maybe breaking state laws about serving water. Um, naturally, mid-protest, she drops water on the floor, spills it, wastes it, does everything that she's accusing the diner of doing. Um and but it also doesn't acknowledge it either when that when it happens. <laughs> just keep shouting about something else. Doesn't acknowledge it, kind of bulldozes the way through this protest, which is obviously deflecting from the real issue. Sits down, says, Oh, nobody thinks about anyone but themselves. Then turns to Roxy and says, So, how are you doing? Still working at that place? And blatantly can't remember a single thing about what her friend's doing with her life. Tremendous, yeah. tremendous scene. Um, we're back to Princess Carolyn, who makes the call to Ralph, who uh, first jokes about meeting the love of his life the night that he left the date with Princess Carolyn that never was, uh, before revealing that that was just total patter, and he'd absolutely love to see her again. Uh, he's been thinking about her non-stop since the day, and then set a date for Saturday. Brilliant this, because people just talk to each other honestly and truthfully, and things get done as a result, and everybody's happier. And I just like that that was tossed in there in an episode full of forged conversations and fake emotions before we get the realest conversation of the bunch to tie up the episode. Uh, Bojack's alone in his post-party apartment. Uh, he lets out the most pained sigh as the giant chocolate Oscar company comes to collect the giant chocolate Oscar. The delivery guy goes way too long in explaining why somebody that isn't an Oscar nominee doesn't get a giant chocolate Oscar as Bojack just has to soak this up. He just wants him gone afterwards. He rings Anna desperate to speak to her. We hear for the fourth time without reply. He's only getting voicemails. He's saying, call me back. I need you. It's Bojack Horseman, by the way, that same tone and style that he's always used with the people that matter the most to him. Uh, Todd gets back to the apartment and uh, Bojack just begs Todd to do things with him, really. He's just needing the distraction and the kindness of a friend. Um, and then when Todd says no, and he's kind of standoffish with him, for the reasons of which we are fully aware, uh, Bojack kind of does what he did with Diane. He turns on him a little bit. He starts saying that he owes him uh, for living with him, for all the food, for everything like that. Um, says he knows about the Oscar nomination mess up. He knows that Todd didn't want to nominate him. It's just a load of guilt tripping. It's not the way that you would try and convince just somebody to have a nice time with it, but it's just obviously very clearly Bojack's fallback for situations sort of like this. Um, he tries to like end with a bit of a flourish and says, what about all the times I quote, 
indulged in your projects and adventures when we know that there is nobody more distant from any of those projects and adventures than Bojack himself. This is obviously hot bullshit. Um, it comes out between Bojack and Todd as the conversation starts to get a little bit spicier that Bojack and Emily slept together, which is brilliant because it actually shocks Todd. He was of the opinion... Um, you know, that he knew something bad had happened between the two, but he wasn't sure what that was. Bojack thought he was actually being honest with him here. Todd says, I thought you really gave her one of your weird monologues uh, about how, <laughs> how, how sad you are, and it just bummed her out. That, to him, was bad enough before he learnt the truth of Bojack and Emily's relationship. But this gives us Todd's big moment. This was catharsis for the Emily, catharsis for everything in season one that we never, as we discussed before, never really truly saw. It never gave us that televisual payoff. Todd never really dealt with a lot of the demons in his closet about his relationship with Bojack. And here it came. Bojack was obviously projecting his depression onto Todd and Todd just will not have it anymore. He says, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep doing things and then feel bad about yourself like that makes it okay. He's kind of like, being very expressive when he does this as well. Bojack is not moving and Todd is bouncing around the room. His arms are flailing. He's never in the history of the show seen so impassioned until this very moment. He says, you need to be better. You are all the things wrong with you. It's not the alcohol or the drugs or any of the things that happened to you in your career or any when you were a kid. It's you, Bojack. All right? It's you. There is a pregnant pause. Bojack stares. Todd's eyes close briefly. He says, Fuck, man, what else is there to say? And the answer to that question is nothing, because that's the credits. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, man, this was... I'm going to say it this week. <laughs> this <laughs> is a... Powerhouse, uh, just you are absolutely right. How many times have we really seen Todd get into it like properly get into it with somebody? Be serious, be so damning, and sort mm. of like absolutely no holds barred. This is the this is the truth. Here it is. 
I don't know if we have seen it like this up to this point because this this is everything we talk about on a weekly basis, I think, yeah. pretty much, uh, but summed up by a character. And Diane flirt, has flirted with this in the past and has, has given him a good taste of medicine, I think. It's fair to say. This, though, is is next level from Todd. Todd tier, I think we can call it. <laughs> Very it's good. Exceptionally good, this. It's obviously most potent because it's coming from Todd. Passive, understanding, broadly acceptant of Bojack's issues. Um has felt the guilt that Bojack tries to use against him at the very last minute. He has felt that guilt. He has felt like he owes him. He has felt like he's kind of, you know, just in servitude of him a little bit because of all that Bojack has done for him at various points. He's not really done things for him. He's just given him a roof. Yeah. That's not that's yeah. not nothing, but it's not as much as Bojack has ever used to leverage. Um, and I don't even think it's one personal affront on Todd by Bojack because Emily isn't the first thing. Yeah, it's, it's no, definitely not. Thing. It's the it's as you say, it's like the, the overdue reckoning that Bojack has been due to face from somebody. It's hard to come from Todd, so it can mean the most. That's absolutely it. And Todd is the character this would mean the most from. We've we've seen Bojack and Diane fight before, but think about the way he throws that your little project to have indulged in and stuff. Mm. The first one he really ever got involved in was the one he sabotaged back in season one. Like the one thing where Todd was actually excelling as a human being, he chopped down. He throws the, the roof that he keeps over his head, but it's a roof that he keeps over Todd's head so he doesn't have to be alone ever. Yeah. Like It's all self-serving stuff that he's doing, and now he's suddenly, because it suits the narrative he's in the middle of, he's trying to throw it back in Todd's face. And just having Todd finally like be the one to say, well, how many times, in that whole speech that he makes, he literally goes through all of the things that we probably say, and we say like, we understand where Bojack's coming from because he had this tough childhood. Or we understand mm. why he's like this. Because And Todd just literally goes through them one by one and ticks them off the list. Is no, 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 no. Yes, you had a bad time. Yes, this sucks. But you don't get to be a bad person because of that. Like, that's, it's not an excuse. You're just a bad person. And, you know, I think often when you see the titles for these episodes, you wonder where they're going to come in. And if they're gonna if they're gonna feature in an episode, if they're gonna feature in someone's speech, this was probably the one of the heaviest hittings of a line from a mm. title delivered by a character. It's you, but honestly, man, we've talked about it before. The careful use of the f bomb in this show yeah. to make it mean something, where it's been heavy hitting or it's been like angry or whatever. We've had it from Herb Kazaz before. Mm. We've had it in in moments of real depth. And the way Todd delivers this one of just like, it's just, he's, he's done, isn't he? He's defeated. Yeah. He's, he's so broken. He doesn't want to be this way with Bojack, but he's got no choice. He's got mm-hmm. absolutely no choice. And it, it's not a like a, an angry, it's a man. Like, it, what else? What else is he meant to say? He's done. It's a really astute point to make that, I think, because as you say, it's a powerful word and it's very deftly deployed, uh, like deployed throughout the whole show. Um, but it's they have to think about when that word pops up in real life, when it's not it's gratuitous, obviously. And as you say, it's in bombast or it's in anger or it's in the language of violence, things like that. Um, and in this case, it's that feeling of exasperation, empty at the end. It's it's the worst day that you've had and then a piano falls out of the sky on top of you. 
you yeah. are no longer to scream out in pain. You have only to just sort of stare out into the distance and say it. And I think the use of it here is it's as powerful. It's again, it feels like something like a writer's room checklist. Yeah, just like, absolutely. Why do people say that word? Which one haven't we used? Where can we drop it? And it's it's thought about, and uh, it's there's a lot to there's a lot of graft behind the craft of using that particular swear word. And um, you can't throw it around, or if you do, it becomes thrown around, and therefore doesn't have doesn't land in the way it does. And yeah, just I I, I love as you say the the use of the title convention here because the whole episode is themed around it's all about him. It's not the other people. He's the common denominator over and over and again, and we still get it to you. And a bit like how we sometimes see the boat. So Diane ended an episode with the half of the F-bomb. Yeah. Bojack ended it with a no. To give you that like brick wall conclusion, this wasn't that. Yeah. Todd's what else is there to say didn't hit the credits like a car hitting Jimmy Fallon. It was <laughs> you, you, the viewer, can have another couple of seconds with this. And I thought that was really powerful as well. They are so patient with it. The pause before that and the pause after it are just absolutely sublime. Like, I know we, it's hard not for us to just sound like total and utter fanboys, but you can only just be in awe because they, they've earned that. They earn it every single season where they make you wait. And you're going to get an F-bomb pretty much every season. You might even get the odd couple sometimes if you're really lucky. <laughs> um, but when they use them the way they do, it's... It's like a moment on top of a moment. Do you know what I mean? It really does yeah. add some some gravitas to the whole thing, and it's just like what a what a bunch of horrible feelings. Like the 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 whole title of the episode being "It's You." We are convinced that we are led down the road that "It's You" is in reference to "It's You." Congratulations, you're yeah. going to be the one. Like, and it actually turns on a dime, and I just think that's it's it's not. When you put it out on paper, it's not super complicated, but the execution here is just top, top draw. You don't get that until the last 30 seconds of the episode. I mean, that is brilliant. It's it's better than Paul McCartney coming out of a cake at the death. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It really is. pretty good. It is. And speaking of surprises and things that pop out with you, Michael, mm-hmm. let's go back, shall we? And we probably yes. need a few things that may or may not make us laugh or <laughs> take away from them. The gravity of all of this, the gravity, the brevity of it all. And uh, it, this is the part of the show we call Horsing Around, where we go back and we pick out all of the things you might have missed, the small details, the hidden meanings behind things, and Easter eggs from the episode, starting from the very beginning. So let's go back, shall we? Hop in the DeLorean. Let's go back to <laughs> Bojack's house party, where he is just, there's not a great deal going on at the very beginning, but in Bojack's house party, when he thinks he's going to win the Oscar, he throws the party. There's a whole, I think that I'm not going to name them all, but there's a house, you will notice for anybody who's watched this show this far, the house is literally full of a bunch of who's who of background characters we've seen up to this point. Again, I'm not going to get into them because there's just so many of them. But there's a little treat. Just pause it, take your time, go through. Yeah. They've all been in. You will have seen them. and We've mentioned many of them throughout this show. There's a ton of them. But little things that I did enjoy. There's a lot of tying back here to the, throughout this episode, the tying back to the episode one of season one, where they throw the birthday party at Bojack's house for the gangster that Todd is trying to get sweet with. Mm-hmm. And it's his daughter's like 14th or 16th, <laughs> 16th birthday, something like that. You will notice in the background, there is a pinata in the background of Secretariat. And it's a throwback to the pinata that is at the birthday party uh, for the little girl that we see getting hit. And that's the very first thing we see in season one, episode one. We see it again. Same old horse. It's just a bit bigger. Same sh- different horse. 
um, which brilliantly as well, when it gets hit and breaks open, it's full of candy. No, it's actually full of joints and prescription pills. <laughs> that is what you see floating around, which I thought was very apt indeed. But funnily enough, just if just in case you were looking for some candy, don't worry. Ding dong, the man's at the door, Michael. It's the delivery man with the giant candy Oscar who works for the company called Giant Candy Trophy Inc. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you see, Michael. Say what you see. There's also a brilliant quick gag. Bojack messing around in a wheelchair, and then it cuts across to a woman who's donated her wheelchair to Bojack, who was literally <laughs> lying on the floor, unable to move, but giving him a thumbs up, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was really, really great. We go outside onto the decking of Bojack's uh, apartment, um, ap- apartment house, even. Uh, this is as Diane has turned up, and the two of them are on the back. There's a load going on at the back. There's a few, a few notable people kicking around. There's two people in the pool which I thought was great. There's a duck person who's mm-hmm. got a rubber ring around them that's in the shape of a duck. And then there's a sort of marsupial who's also in the water. But the ring they've got around them is like a human ring. Like it's human space <laughs> on the front. Which, like, I just thought such a great twist on the uh, on the take. You'll also see a lemur to the left as the screen is, uh, the scene, sorry, is just being kind of um, presented to us and established. Who's just done a big bump of cocaine and his eyes go like really crazy red <laughs> and obviously quite big, him being a lemur and such. There's also a hummingbird in the background. There's a there's an elephant, first of all, who is literally drinking from the fountain of chili cheese, just <laughs> guzzling it down his trunk. He's going to town. But while he's doing that, he's distracted. There's a hummingbird that's floated up above hummingbird person, I should point out, and is like mind sweeping his drink on the sly, which Very he good. will not notice until later on when he does, and we will later see the elephant and the hummingbird flying around the back of the scene as he chases the hummingbird, furious that it's been drinking his drink. Sorry, you were going to say. No, just to say, like, this is, you will really have to watch Bojack and Diane at your first watch. So this yeah. is a this is a definite, definite double watcher because I was mindful of all this stuff going on and I couldn't wait to hear about it all. Like, I knew you'd pick it all up because you cannot not concentrate Sorry. on the main show. There's a lot that you've got to take in from Bojack and Diane. And there is so much happening around them. You're constantly aware of the buzz of this party because I think it's supposed to add a bit of layers to Diane's chat. I think it's yeah. like, she said, look how meaningless all of this is. But there's so much happening to set to, to sell that. I really love that. I, I think that's it as well. It really adds to this. There's, there's, it's so busy, like, isn't it? It's so busy. It, and there's a very specific visual thing here of they are the through line. That's the one thing that matters. They mm. walk through the screen in the middle. I think the framing of the screen is literally them in the middle of the screen as they walk from end to end, while literally all yeah. of the bullshit Hollywood is going on around them. And it's very distracting. If trust me, as <laughs> someone who had to pause this multiple times, you will also find though more callbacks to uh, season one, episode one here, because in the background you will see in the distance there's these sticky pink. A cotton candy machine that we've all obviously seen Bojack made himself sick on even in episode one season one there was a flashback to him making himself sick previously you will recall <laughs> from a party well he's actually sick on the man who is we've seen him throughout the show with the flappy cap and the flannel shirt in this flashback in season one episode one Bojack is sick on the man when the man asks him hey aren't you the horse from horse and around as we go fast forward right now the same sticky uh, sticky pink cotton candy machine company machine is there. The guy with the flat peak cap and the flannel shirt is sitting eating some cotton candy in the background. But he gives this look to Bojack as if to say, oh, God, it's him again. Like, I remember what happened last time <laughs> as he's holding up the cotton candy. It's so tiny, but it's brilliant. And it will pay off in just a second. More on that in just a bit. 
Uh, I also thought was brilliant. You mentioned it there, Bojack talking to Diane and the way he just turns the conversation that he had with Anna Sponacopita onto Diane, basically saying, I don't fetishize my own sadness. And Michael, is it not a bit weird that Bojack is doing exactly the same sort of stuff that he does whenever his mother tells him something, i.e. it's no Ibsen, or Ibsen rather. Yeah. He just takes the words from a mother figure, perhaps, or as Princess Carolyn brilliantly put it, a mommy who he can slide his dick in and out of, I believe <laughs> is the correct reason. More of that later on, though, I'm sure. Um, also, going back to the flat cap guy, I told you it would pay off. Bojack and Diana arguing, and as they walk past him, the guy has come to the front. He's right by the chili cheese fountain. Bojack, in a rage, storms past him, bumps him into the chili cheese fountain, <laughs> and as he's going in, his entire cotton candy goes into his face as well. It's a Tremendous. bad night to be the man in the flat cap, and he's probably sick of seeing Bojack at parties with cotton candy. Uh, we go to his bedroom. Brilliant gag. Well, Anna Spanakopa is on the phone. We see a couple of birds going past the window. One's carrying a giant bag of chips, followed by another bird who's carrying a giant tub of dips. It's literally labelled giant dips. While a third bird flies past the window with a box of party chains and party whips. Now, if anybody was paying attention, if you go all the way back to season one, episode three, Prickly Muffin, when there's... Uh, Sarah Lynn is at Bojack's house and they're having a similar kind of party. Mm -hmm. The same bird, I don't know if it's the same birds, but it's definitely the same three uh, things that come through. The chips, the giant, yeah. and the party whips. That, party yeah. gin. These people, obviously, Michael, are the Hollywood hanger hanger us who just turn up for parties and mm -hmm. always bring the same assorted goods. Uh, back in Bojack's living room, obviously when he's going through that scene we talked about and he gets in the Tesla, we get a quick shot of the screen of the Tesla and a bunch of the functions that the car can do, which I thought were quite neat. There's one that's called sport mode. There's one that's called car burger. <laughs> <laughs> There's one that's called designated driver. I assume for whenever you're too drunk to perform the task. There's one that's called room. There's one that's called heedless reverse, which <laughs> probably has a different meaning up north in Newcastle. <laughs> There's also one called locate toilet. <laughs> Another one called Auto Donuts, which <laughs> I don't think is the same as Burgers. I think it's genuinely make the car do donuts. <laughs> and there's one that just says Gloat, which I can imagine. Yeah. God knows what. It's unclear, really, which one he presses at this point. He kind of puts his hand on the screen, but it's one of those, and it doesn't end well for him. Um, Princess Carolyn's office, just a quick one. This I think we've mentioned it before, but I will mention it again. She's drinking some wine during her, I guess we'll call it a depression, and the wine is, of course, a Catbernet wine. Because, Michael, she's a cat. Um, brilliant. I've just written down here. I won't go any further. But it just says, Halloween in January stuff. Jimmy Fallon, pop. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff, this. Jimmy Fallon getting hit by a bus. Absolutely mesmerizingly funny. Please go back and watch that if you haven't. If you missed it the first time, you are indeed missing out. Now, back to Peanut Butter's house. Mr. Peanut Butter's house. The house, not the show. Um, and we get some brilliant anecdotes here throughout this episode from Nana Peanut Butter, Michael Hamlet, yes. as he will share with his brother. There's a couple here. Let me just go through them. These are both that happened in the episode. They don't happen at the same time, but I thought I'd put them together for the ease of this little roundup. So he talks about the phrases that Nana Peanut Butter used to say. One of these is when he's talking to Captain Peanut Butter on the phone. And this is a classic phrase, Michael, one that you can understand has gone back in his family for generations. His Nana Peanut Butter says, 
Always take every opportunity that comes your way because opportunities are like sneezes from God. And when God sneezes, you can't say, God bless you to God. So instead, you have to take the opportunity. I'm cold. Will you pass me that blanket? Which is, I mean, it's great advice. You can't catchy, argue with it. Catchy. It's catchy advice and it just rolls off the tongue so brilliantly. <laughs> but not quite as well, Michael, as her advice about feelings because those are more important, you would say, maybe, than opportunities. Or maybe not. Depends on what kind of uh, lens you're looking through, yeah. But this is what Nana Peanut Butter had to say about feelings, Michael. She said, <clears throat> there's always time to talk about feelings because feelings are the ceilings of our hearts and a leaky <laughs> feeling ceiling leads to a flood of blood. And I'm cold. Will you pass me that blanket? <laughs> what a flood. <laughs> Which is just magnificent stuff. Uh, they must have so much fun writing this stuff, honestly. Very good. Very, very good. We go back to, I believe, it's Paramount Studios where they have the Oscar envelope hidden away in the depths. And as we find this wonderful sequence, as you mentioned, of releasing the Oscar envelope, we go through a bunch of different places. There's a great bit, though. We go from, um, what's the name? The name of the dog escapes me. Chef, yeah, Chef. Chef, who he goes into a room. There's a gorilla in the room next to a door who opens the door. We then go into the next room. And as we go through, there's a brilliant bit where there's two... Shall we call them like elder wizards? Looking at them, <laughs> the, 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 the gatekeepers of the final vault door, I think it is. It's really well done this. But what you will notice is that two different people have got two separate names, Michael. One of them is called Pricewater, and the other one is called House Coopers. Now, for anybody who knows, PWC, of course, the gigantic conglomerate, basically consisted of Pricewater House Coopers. So a brilliant little take on that. Almost, Michael, to say as if... Corporations run the world. I don't know. That's not, <laughs> not for me to get into. That's a whole other podcast in itself. Uh, we go to Mr. Peanut Butter's dressing room, though. And first of all, before we get into one of the really long bits, which I will get into in just a second, there's a couple of great movie posters on the wall here. Perhaps, Michael, you can see the theme, because there's one poster for Old Yeller, and there's also a poster for Where the Red Fern Grows. Now, for anybody who doesn't know either of these two films, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know what happens in them, Stop listening to this podcast now <laughs> and come back when you've watched them, I guess. But in both Old Yeller and Where the Red Fern Grows, there's a situation where a dog dies. <laughs> old, old Yeller, quite famously, is gets taken out back and has one put between the eyes. And in Where the Red Fern Grows, Old Dan Dog, which I thought... <laughs> I, just, I just thought, like, what? Old Yeller and Old Dan Dog. It's just... Brilliant stuff, this. But all Dan Dog actually dies during a fight with a lion. Bless him. And it's just, it's just the worst. And if you really don't want to know, it's made worse by the fact that I can't remember. It's, it's little, little Anne. I think that dog's called Little Anne, who's the other female dog. She ends up dying of a broken heart because all Dan Dog's dead. Oh, oh this is what you could say. <laughs> a dog day afternoon at the best of times. I'm oh. going to try and sort you on. You can gather yourself there for a minute. All because... done, dog. <laughs> dog. <laughs> because yeah. as we go on Mr. Peanut Butter's phone chase, we get another couple of brilliant bits here. We go past a couple of posters, the first of which you see is one that just says, um, it's an Oscars poster that says the Oscars. Um, movies are super important, it says on the poster, <laughs> which I just feel like is another additional nod to could this just be done on the internet, just released on the internet, because it's not really that important? During the chase, though, you will also see there's a janitor kicking around who's sort of cleaning the corridors as they chase the phone down. It's the same janitor, Michael, who shows Todd the magical uh, machine where he steps in to get his confidence to become 
Todd Chavy, oh, yeah. uh, or Toad Chavy, should I say, as he obviously points out with Todd, it's just a prop, but Todd still manages to find <laughs> some will you, some wisdom from it. That Janet has back, he turns up a couple of times. There's also a magnificent, magnificent gag, which I have to point out to our listeners. The first time I watched this, I missed, but Michael Hamlet sent me it in a screenshot during his first watch through, yeah. which I thought was brilliant and have not forgotten about it since. As they go through the sewers to try and chase Mr. Peanutbutter's phone, there are four construction guys who are working in the sewers trying to fix some pipes who all have, Michael, some interestingly coloured bandanas on their head. One's purple, one's red, one's orange, and one is whatever the other colour is. Blue. Navy blue, I think. Yeah, blue. Blue. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles who are all stacked. <laughs> They're working on the pipes. I thought it's just such a great quick gag. But it's absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely far out, man. Um, <laughs> another poster as well. Another Oscars poster. This one, a little bit more interesting. It's the Oscars again. And it just says, please watch the Oscars. And <laughs> <laughs> cry for help if ever you've heard one. And Michael, there's one last thing. When this uh, phone of Mr. Peanut Butter goes flying out the window, um, just zips out of the flat like, and bounces off a poor bird, Michael, who's flying by, just trying to get by. And unfortunately, this is a poor bird who just cannot get a break because it's bloody Veronica again. Oh. Seen in previous episodes as being hit by doors by Bojack Horseman. She had the angry Italian waiter putting a, a fork full of spaghetti in a red wine all this bad stuff happened to her, and she gets hit by a phone on the head this time before it bounces off the UR Secretariat blimp that we see floating off. <laughs> bounces back and lands in Mr. Peanut Butter's hand. A great bit of attention to detail here. So apparently it was worth it after all, that promo campaign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we go to Captain Peanut Butter's hospital room as he's telling Mr. Peanut Butter the great news that his twisted spleen has been taken out. And there's a great balloon it seems like maybe he's finally got the signs right, or someone else has, whoever's bought the balloon. The balloon just reads, Mean Spleen Gleaned. <laughs> <laughs> Great bit of uh, a nod to his successful uh, surgery, shall we say. Uh, in Paramount Studios, though, once again, another quick gag. Todd, who's looking for the envelope at one point to help Mr. Peanut Butter, mm. pulls off his beanie to reveal a, a sandwich that he's obviously kept under <laughs> there for this trying time and decides to eat it during all this madness. And now, the big bit you've all been waiting for, I'm sure, but I certainly haven't. We need to go to the board. Let's talk yes. all of the nominations that Mr. Peanut Butter and Todd come up with together. I'm sorry, this is going to be long because there's a lot of them, so I'm just going to get through them. I won't be able to dive into all of them, but you can probably take away your takeaways, I guess, from the names I give you. So here <laughs> we go. In the room, as Mr. Peanut Butter and Todd come up with all of the sort of nominees for each category. In the best picture category, They've decided to go for Avatar, Midnight Hole, which obviously features uh, Mitch Damon or whatever he was called, <laughs> uh, the Nazi who played Yahtzee, really quite upset Max Broom. <laughs> uh, or actually, I think it might be really quite upset Max, another film called Broom, and then The Short, Big, Tall, Small, <laughs> which I can only assume is not was the, the big short. <laughs> really upset Max, is that Mad Max? And then Broom oh, is going to be Room. The film room, I don't know. Oh, anyway, yeah. in the best actor category, I said I wasn't going to get caught up in these, but I obviously am. <laughs> in the best, best actor category, the first name they've got there with a question mark next to it that has been scribbled out is Black People, <laughs> 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 which is a brilliant dig at just how white the Oscars has a yeah. tendency to be. Because followed by that, Michael, is Colin Firth 
George Clooney's Bread Poot and Michael Fassbender <laughs> in brackets SP because they just aren't sure on how to spell it. Is anybody really? In the best director category, we get Nicole Holf Holf Lena Holf Senna. <laughs> just it's hard. <laughs> we get Eva Duverney. Uh, we get Gina Prince by the Wood. <laughs> we get Mary Harron, and we also get Anna Lily Amir. Amir Poor, Jesus Christ, hard to get my mouth around some of them. In the best actress, in the best actress category, though, a little bit easier for me, Michael. It's uh, Jennifer Lawrence, mm -hmm. uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, Kate Blanchett. Uh, <laughs> Frida Pinto does make the cut, but then she gets scribbled out, and Jennifer Lawrence fortunately gets put back in there at the end. So that's a nice diverse group there. I think there's another theme they're trying to get at here, and I don't know what that is. Um, in the foreign, la foreign language category, we get old marriage, we get feel bad, we get karate in the karate in the woods, we get the dinner party, and we get the my father, the war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> in cinema, I'll try and rush through these. Sorry, that's quite a lot. In cinematography, the leisure class, we get the haberdasher's peanut, we get the the hateful BB-8, which is a strange amalgamation <laughs> of a Quentin Tarantino film and a Star Wars film, and uh, we get. The one with the guy from that show. <laughs> it's a guy, I like that one. I did like that one. It's a brilliant one. And we also get Connect for the movie, which is great. <laughs> Bit easier for me, this one. In the documentary in the documentary category, we get five brilliant documentaries, all called Jag, Slag, Crag, Bag, and Dag. <laughs> so you can have your pick from them because they are oddly close to what I would have yeah. had in that category. The best... <laughs> In the best song category, we get Play That Funky Yahtzee, Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> we get Gold Hoof. We get the Silly Banana song. We get Spotlight Bling, the theme from Spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for anybody who's actually seen the film, Spotlight, two very different themes. <laughs> uh, the sound editing, as you mentioned, we got Daniel Day-Lewis. We get Meryl Streep. We get another vote for Jennifer Lawrence. We get Mark Mangini and David White, and we get Russell Crowe, which is most definitely spelt like the crow and mm -hmm. not actually like Russell Crowe at all. We go to Best Supporting Actor, and we've got Mark Buffalo, clever. <laughs> got nice. Sylvester Stallion, clever. Mm -hmm. We get Christian Snail, <laughs> very good. We get Shark Rylance, <laughs> and my personal favourite out of this whole bunch, we get Tom Hardy in brackets, who is a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. We also get, my word, Benelli there, Best Supporting Actress, which is, luckily for her, because she hasn't had much nominations so far, Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Winslet, Jennifer Lawrence, and Jennifer Jason Lawrence. <laughs> in the Best Original Screenplay, we get Feely Feelings, we get Before Afternoon-ish, we get Sexy Robot, we get A River Runs Through It, The Weezer Story, <laughs> and we get Spy Bridge 57, which is magical. Uh, we also get Sound Mixing, quickly, which just says in brackets, C, Sound Editing. We also get Best Derivative Screenplay, which we have The Fancy Queen, Police Guys, The Lawyer Shootout. No, The Lawyer Who Shout, sorry. Um, <laughs> Doctor for a Day, and the Danish Danish. <laughs> and finally, Jesus Christ, 
some of these I actually don't know if I'm going to be able to see in full, but I'm going to give it a go. Mm-hmm. In uh, the best boy category, we get Massimiliano De Senna, we get Steve Daly, we get Jim Holmes, we get Michael Stoker, and we get Vincent Price. And I think, <laughs> I think, no, Vincent P.S., sorry, good Lord. I thought you were going to say Vincent Price, what a, what no. a flourish to finish that. What a flourish. Vincent P.S., I think that's it. I think that's everything. My God, that's it. Wow, impressive. All of the people on that list, impressive. Well... You can clap it all you want, but I feel that's like for, I've that's, lost. That's for all the nominees and you. For going I feel that like I've lost years of my life there. <laughs> I'm sorry. For anybody who wants another edition, we should just release an episode of this podcast where I just say, look at the screenshot, you lazy bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I might even just do that. Who knows? Um, right. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus goddamn Christ. Next up, we have a quick stint. We're nearly there. We're nearly there, I promise. Uh, we go to Vim <laughs> Offices. The exterior of Vim offices, as we know, quite a lot of people have just been let go. We see two people stand outside having a conversation, presumably trying to figure out what they're going to do next. One of them is the deer who we've seen who was at reception at Vim offices, normally with a bunch of post-it notes on his antlers. But this time, he's just got a bunch of assorted things from his desk that he's taken home. <laughs> he's got scissors, he's got his mouse, he's got uh, a stapler, he's got some a tape dispenser, still <laughs> some sticky notes. Uh, a mug that says Vim and a pen organiser, I think it is, as well as the woman he's talking to who's called, I presume, Teresa, who has a box that just says Teresa's desk with a bunch of assorted bits and bobs in there. <laughs> as well, poor guys, I'm sure yeah. they'll fall back on their feet at some point. We go into the Silver Spoon Diner, where Diane is talking with Roxy. Mm. But that's not the main focus really here, because as you see, the grumpy cow waitress, who we've not seen in a while, if, I, if I'm no. not mistaken. Been a while since we've seen her. She's talking to a duck at the bar, and she says to him, "She says, how do you want it? Rye, wheat, or sourdough?" And the duck says, "Can I get it on still?" <laughs> <laughs> this is a duck, Michael. He's not got any preference. I think he likes wet bread as well, maybe. Um, <laughs> also, I have written down here, and I don't know if this is true, but is this the first time that we ever find out that Diane's best friend is called Roxy? We aren't sure about it. But if you are sure, let us know your thoughts at Podcast Horseman on either Twitter or Instagram. We'd love to hear your thoughts. I think it might be the first time, but there may have been an instance. Who knows? And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that is everything for Horseman Around this week. My word. Sorry, there's been a lot. The Oscar nominations board was always going to be a hiccup. And there, it's done. But just just to think what you could have done. You know, you could have just put that all online. I could have just put it all online, Michael. It would have been so much easier, wouldn't it? But instead of putting it online, why don't we just give you one last thing and then I swear to God we'll shut up about this podcast forever. I'm going to go first here because I'm on a roll and I'm desperate to finish talking and shut up for a couple of minutes. <laughs> Ironically, though, my one last thing is a little bit longer than I'd probably like it to be. But it's a bit of a, a bit of comic relief, I guess. As you alluded to, Mr. Peanut Butter, at one point in this episode, Michael, is having a bit of a hard time when he and Todd are looking at office space, presumably for Todd's new venture, He's talking with uh, the realtor and Mr. Peanut Butter is wistfully looking out of the window and sees a crow on some power lines. Would you like to hear the accidental poetry that Mr. Peanut Butter... Yes, please. Yeah, I would. would. You bloody would. Of course you would. And I'm going to say it in my most pompous, I don't know, Edgar Allan Poe bullshit kind of way. (laughs) Raven on a wire, a gloomy portent, precariously perched, and as the sun sets, 
so does it spread its deathly shadow across the just and unjust of the outdoor seating area of the California pizza kitchen. <laughs> Before he says, you come to work, you clock in, you put sugar in your coffee, and you watch it slowly disappear into nothingness. But the sugar doesn't know why. The sugar didn't ask to be born. <laughs> I'm going to isolate I mean, this audio and make it a ringtone like Diane did with like the start of that episode of Serial. <laughs> Indeed. Well, it's got the gravitas to it. There's no question about that. <laughs> Mr. Peter are clearly going through some things. And I thought, actually, joke, all jokes aside, a little tie in there as well to the child he never got to meet, really, because mm. he says the sugar didn't ask to be born. I feel like that's uh, sort of maybe a subconscious little time. Yeah. The fact that he and Diane very recently had an abortion, although only one of them technically did. But there you go. That was my one last thing. I thought it was worth noting because it was just ah, a nice nice. bit from Mr. Peanut Butter. Mine is something that I may have misinterpreted. So I'm, I'm going to throw this at you to see if you agree or not, or if I'm just talking bollocks. Um, the... It's all right. 75% of this podcast is you and me talking bollocks. So... <laughs> so... Ralph's lovely little aside when Princess Carolyn calls and he, uh, he's about to spin a yarn, which cats would like, obviously, about uh, meeting the dream woman and all this sort of thing before revealing that. I'm just being silly. I'm just messing, just messing. Um, yeah. That is animated in the same style as the Anna flashback where she's in the car, driving the car into the lake. Now, because we see the car one first, the animation style changing is seemingly designed to inject it with all its profundity like it's supposed to feel quite dark and dangerous and mm. scary and then we see the the light in contrast to Anna's shade in the form of the joke later on and it made me wonder if the reason we're seeing that style mirrored for that moment was that to imply that Anna's story was completely made up quite possibly quite but possibly she, she went through with it rather than because their relationship is based on bullshit and lies and misplaced focus, whereas he didn't need to because it was just a bit of silliness. Let's get to the good stuff. What else? Can you remember, Michael? What else got animated like this in the past? Can you remember? Oh, not at this hour. Go on. Well, that's okay because I'm here and I'm great. So what I've done is I've remembered <laughs> this. The only other thing I can think, there's probably been another couple of instances, but one of the key ones came in season two when Wanda was telling the joke about the mulch. Yes. And what is the joke about mulch? It's completely made up. The whole thing is fabricated. Ralph's story is completely fabricated. And as such, given the fact that Anna Sponacopita has done everything in her power just to lie to Bojack or tell him whatever he needs to hear, I get the feeling, Michael, it might be a bit of hot bull. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it meant so much to Bojack in that moment too. And well, alive. did it? Did it? Or did he completely go the opposite direction and try to kill himself? <laughs> I guess we'll never know. That sounds like a story for another podcast. But having said all that, now that we've done that, Michael, I think we're nearly here. We're nearly mm. at the end of the podcast. But just briefly before we do sign off with a lovely another star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame, you can follow this podcast if you would like on Twitter or Instagram at podcast horseman please do give us a follow like a share help us to stretch the community of podcast horsemen and indeed bojack horseman because that's the whole reason we started this in the first place we want to talk ourselves horse about a talking horse we want to do that with you believe it or not so you are the lucky winners today or maybe not so lucky who knows you can also follow either of your hosts on twitter at it's adam nicholas for me or you can follow michael hamflet 
at Michael Hamflit. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can follow along on Spotify. You can listen on Acast. You can subscribe on there as well. You can subscribe or follow or listen or whatever it is to do with podcasts on Amazon. We're lovely. We're glad they're there. Thank you all, Amazon, very much. We want to get up those charts. We want to chase down the big, major box office podcast what culture wrestling we are coming for you um so you can obviously leave us a five star review that would be great uh leave us something nasty leave us something nice but just put them five stars in there and a few words in the box you've heard all this stuff before on every podcast you've ever listened to it's good for the algorithms and for season three only speaking of algorithms we've been asking people very kindly to send out a retweet the podcast gets uploaded every friday to the at postcard horseman twitter feed and if you want to chuck a retweet on there you stand a chance of being inducted into the special season three hollywood talk of fame i have collated the retweets they have been counted and verified and let's roll that drum the latest inductee is soup Powerful, that's at soup underscore powerful. Super powerful, that name is fantastic. Thank you very much for your retweet, for your diligent support of this podcast. And a star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be coming to you soon through all the usual social media channels. Indeed. My question for soup power. Super power, did you say? Super powerful. Super powerful. Sorry, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to get that wrong. My question for you, super powerful, please do give us at the podcast horseman. Do you buy your soup in tins or do you make your own soup? That's the question <laughs> I have for you. I would like to know the answer, so please do let us know at Podcast Horseman or at Italian Nicholas or at Michael Hamlet. Thank you very much. In the meantime, I will go to the shop and buy my Netflix synopsis straight <laughs> off the shelf. It's season three, it's episode 11, and oh, Michael, man. we all know what this means. Look, if you had a hard time in this episode, I was going to call you readers there. I've been reading too many comics. Listeners, beware. Season, any episode 11 in any season mm-hmm. pretty much is going to require your, but what's the, what's the best way to put this? Your inner strength, your, <laughs> your concentration, your fortitude. It's going to be tested throughout this. And this is no different. This episode is called episode 11. That's too much, man. On a drug fuel bender, Bojack and Sarah Lane crash an AA meeting and Bojack decides to make amends to the people that he hurt. Michael, this sounds like Bojack. Oh, it sounds like maybe he's doing the usual thing where he's trying to redeem himself just before the end of the season to make us all come back. And honestly, that piece of shit, I don't know if he deserves it. But yeah, let's be optimistic, man. It sounds to me like he's going to tie up all those loose ends and everything's going to be fixed and just fine. Please listen next week. Please listen. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the MO of this show, actually. Yeah, it's all tied up. <laughs> In 30 minutes, and it's happily ever after. I think that's pretty much what they told us in episode one, didn't they? <laughs> yes, of course they did. If you want to find out what happens in that season three, episode 11 episode, though, you will have to check back next week. Be prepared. Strap yourself in. It's going to be a great episode. A personal favourite of mine. Is that the word I want to use? Well, we'll find out next week. Anyway, with that said, I have been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflet. And this has been Podcast Horseman. <laughs> 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.